Hi, Jen Dan. Yes. I can hear you. Yeah. Brilliant. Hi, Tabs. It's being touchy, so I wanted to make sure I got it. Hi, Tabs. Oh, no. Hi, Kimmy. Hi. Hello. Hi, uh, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. <clears throat> oh, girls got those curls. Sorry, <laughs> guys. Just, just ruining my house. It's already ruined, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just trying to look like a model over here. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight, we are chatting with Christy Johnson, our special guest tonight. We're going to be talking all kinds of ages and different brackets. She has lots of experience throughout the life with her kiddos. So we're excited to have her here. Another Arizona mom joining us. She's originally from Colorado, but I'm calling her Arizona mom. <laughs> and tonight I have Jen. Hello. Kim. Hi. Jamie. Hello. Rachel Flanagan. Hey, everybody. And Christy Johnson. Hi. So um, Rachel's going to kind of lead us into the conversation with Christy tonight. Christy, I was just telling the girls a little bit earlier that I connected with you on sort of a live video that Jen Dunn was doing a couple of weeks ago. And you were just such a fountain of information. And I could feel your furious fingers typing, like just as quick as you could respond. And I felt like, man, if there's someone willing to talk to a nobody on this thread, I am down to connect with her. And so it, I think that live probably was done. And within a few moments, I'd requested your friendship <laughs> and <laughs> freak messaged you back like, Hey girl, thank you so much for all your wisdom. So I, I, first, I appreciate you, um, inviting that message and the friends so that we could host you tonight. I was super impressed by your willingness to talk about the things that you wish you would have known and that you are in this like elusive adult services bill. And I am terrified about it. My kid's six. So you just, and then to know that you have homeschooling experience as well, and not just one view of the spectrum, but two, I think it's just so cool. So welcome. Thank you. If you'd like to tell everybody a little bit about your family and what gives you all this wealth of information. My husband and I, we've been together for 22 years and we have three boys. Our oldest is 19. He's nonverbal anxiety and then has um, sleep issues. And just recently he was diagnosed with seizures. And then my second one is 17 years old and he's neurotypical, you know, everyday teenage boy. And then our third one is 16 and he's got sensory processing disorder, ADHD and anxiety. Pretty much my hands are full. Yes. Sounds like it. Yes. Yeah. I guess I'll start with my, like I said, my, my hands were full. And when my oldest was diagnosed, there was no information. When I heard the word autism, I never heard, I didn't even know what it was. I, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't know mm -hmm. anything. I didn't know if there's programs. I had no clue. And when, when that uh, diagnosis came, Christy, were you in Colorado at the time? And is that pretty rural or I were there lots of services there? No. So I was in Colorado and I lived in a, it was a smaller town. There was just no knowledge. Um, there, there was some resources, 
But I mean, if you go over to the Eastern slope, I think there was more services, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there, that's a little bit of a drive and stuff, you know? So yeah, um, nobody really knew about it after he got diagnosed, my oldest, they're like, okay. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, we're, you know, I'm an, I don't know where to go. And they said, well, contact your doctor and we can go from there. And I'm like, um, okay. So I looked at my husband, we left and I told my husband that we need to get a computer. And I said, mm-hmm. and I am going to Google and go to the library and I am going to read up on it. I was like, I have to know, you know as his parents, we got to know yeah. what, we're, what we're dealing with. And I just late nights, I can't tell you mm-hmm. years of just researching, researching to know mm-hmm. what to get to know what I could, you know, cause I want to know everything I could. Yeah. It's so fascinating. My daughter is six and um, she was diagnosed two years ago. That puts us at 2019 and just how lucky I am for that, especially having a girl that kind of puts us a little bit further back on the curve because it's only been so long that that's acknowledged as well, or is often, Mm -hmm. I feel like the diagnosis is so important, but where you are regionally really dictates a lot. We were in a small town in Wisconsin at the time, and there's just, what, what way would you like to drive an hour for help for anything, for therapies of any kind? So it's interesting. And what age and year was this for, like, was he two or how old was your son at the time? He was two and a half. So like, oh, three. Oh, three. Okay. Oh, three, like, oh, four. He was like two and a half. The thing that was crazy to me, I mean, I don't know how it is for other parents. Uh, it took, it was like two weeks, if I remember, of going into this facility, you know, this, it was like the school place and doctors came from Denver and we just, they kept running test after test. And I was like, he didn't talk. And I said, I know something's wrong. And they were like, well, we don't know. And finally they, you know, we got the diagnosis, but then after that, there wasn't enough information. I say this, this is how I felt is so when I, they told me he had autism, it, to me, it was like a foreign word to not know. I mean, when, once I found out, like I said, we went home, I didn't, process it like how do I you know like you got to go through the grief process you you know yeah. process this and I didn't go through it just as mom I started to research right away that because I just that's what I knew to do mm-hmm. when I finally did process it it was a few years later you know and then it really hit me like like a brick wall like I like it hit me hard I was like oh geez I felt I think when I did the research I felt like there was going to be some like here, does that make sense? I don't know how to explain it. Like, that's just, that was that hope that I, but then as I researched more and more and I was like, no, no, we're in for a long I think there's a feeling that a lot of times when you lose something, you go to therapies to regain that thing. Yeah. And so for me, I was not necessarily looking for a cure, but I did have an expectation that things would get better with effort. And that's not necessarily true either because you have to be in the right lane, right? Like, yeah. Or the right approach or the right structure or the right person. And there's been so much like developments as far as information and stuff on the internet and research and all of that stuff since 2003. I mean, for us who are going through it now, I mean, we have a lot more resources and a lot more 
I mean, the language was different at the time. So people yeah. might've been using that term as something that was consistent with the time and the language and the books and the information that was out there right now, you know, it's not really like something that is pressed in that landscape. You know, it's, we understand the brain, we understand neurology, more of those things now uh, than I'm sure um, a textbook or something from the library would have in, at that time. Right. I had to really research. Then when I had my second son, he didn't speak, you know, he didn't talk because his older brother didn't talk. So I was like, all right, we got to start this process. And then I had, like I said, then the, my youngest. And so then I started over. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I had, to, I started the process over, but I knew what I was doing, but it crumbled in my heart, you know, like my heart kind of broke. Cause I was like, really, I kind of knew what was going to, what I was going to be told. Like I said, my second son, his was just because they were like, he's not around enough uh, kids, you know, and his brother doesn't talk. So where's he going to learn how to talk? I mean, he's got mom and dad, but you know, kids need to play with kids to have mm -hmm. the interaction. And then my youngest, he was 15 months. And they said that they, when I walked in there, like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm sure I've gone through this before. Let's start. And they said, but he's kind of young. I said, no. I said, the earlier it is, the more we can start working with him. We got to get him into, you know, into these programs and stuff. So, but I still with him, because he has a different form of autism, you know, because there's different, he was sensory processing. I had to learn about that. And so, what year was your youngest diagnosed? My youngest. Okay. So 2003, four, 15 months. So 2006, about the, the end of 2006, but I'm going to tell you, you would think from three year difference, you know what I mean? From 2003 to 2006, you're thinking, well, there's more, there's more information. There's all this little Bit of information. And when the town I lived in, there wasn't that much resources. I was able to get them in preschool. You know, I knew that, but like I had at home resources because I had fought for it because I told them I knew there was stuff for the kids to help them because they were like, there's a waiting list and all, you know, it's going to take a while. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're we're going to get on this. You know, yeah. we need to get mm -hmm. on this. And did I'm they... sure there was much more. Sorry. No, my daughter was diagnosed in 2012. And I want to be clear. I'm sure there was a lot more information in that six-year span from, you know, the, your last child being diagnosed. But even in 2012, there, although autism was becoming more known and, you, you know, whatever, um, there still was no information when she was diagnosed. I also did not have, I mean, and Kim, I know, you know, you're 24 So 1998, in, we were diagnosed, 1998. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know a single person with autism. I had never met anyone with autism that I know of. Yeah, so even six years after your son's diagnosis, there really wasn't a lot of information. I, I know some people that, you know, friends and stuff and family members, their, their kiddos got diagnosed with autism. And that's what led me to, I'm more aware of it. Like, so you know what I mean? I see other kids, like, I don't know, you kind of pick up, you know, you kind yeah. of just know. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you try not to, and you don't always want to tell the parent, hey, you know, because like my brother-in-law, I had watched his son and I said, hey, you, you need to just have a, the, the doctor evaluate him. He's behind on speech. Oh, he's fine. I'm like, okay. And I let it go because, you know, I'm not the parent and found out he's autistic, but I am more about advocating. Like, I'm like, I want to help because I know what it felt like. I didn't know anybody at all. And if I can help another mom or another, you know, whatever, if for them not to feel that way, that's, you know what I mean? The resources, yeah. 
I still feel now we got more resources, but I still think there needs to be. Well, and it's not consistent across the board. Like you said, you were in a small town. So like what I got, I was close to Boston. So like, luckily for me, for my time, we were able to get resources and diagnoses. It's not across the board. It's like some areas have it. Some areas don't. Some states have it. I mean, there's still states with almost zero autism services, zero um, laws protecting people with autism. It's not across the board. You know, it's like when you're in the bigger cities or close to the bigger cities, there's more resources. Certain states have more resources, but the other ones don't still. And I'm in Canada, uh, Vancouver. So big city. I'm on the outside yeah. of Vancouver, but you can't, I, we, I always say we got in before the autism boom. Literally, I say we children were in- getting <laughs> diagnosed, right? Um, so now there's a 18 to 24 month wait just to get your kid diagnosed. And then when you get your kid diagnosed, the wait list to get into anywhere or get services for your children is so extensive that you're missing all of those early years because you just can't, can't get the diagnosis and you can't get into the services. So even now it's almost like there's a shortage because there's, I would say it's a money-making machine now. Yeah, that's like in Colorado, I always joke that we were diagnosed during the boom. Around that time, it just, autism was a lot more popular hearing a lot about In Colorado, we have great services now, but it was like, I, my kids are going to the same elementary school I went to. I remember there was one kid on the spectrum that went to that school. The way he was treated was completely different. They have a whole autism program now. We have ABA centers everywhere. So it's like almost like a money grab thing where they're all trying to get you in. And so it's so different here from when I was a kid. And there's, and I feel like there is a lot more knowledge. And if you're in this world, you learn all that knowledge, but there's still a lot of people that don't know. So they almost see it as like, oh, they're like, oh, not that many kids were autistic when I was young. What, you know, like this is overdiagnosed. So now it's like a different battle, but there is obviously a lot more resources and a lot more um, awareness, at least in my area, but. Well, and they changed their criteria too, a few years ago. So that also makes a huge difference and it makes a huge difference for services because now it's a lot wider of a criteria than it used to be. So how was your experience with the school system and all that stuff, Christy? Because I know you homeschool now. How did you get there and why did you decide to do that? I, so he got to, like I said, I kept him in the public school system because I didn't ever think of homeschooling. I'll be honest with you. Uh, What led me to it was, so my husband kept telling me you're home because I was a, you know, stay home mom, you know, you run between drop one kid off, you know, and so different times so of the yeah. day. One gets off at 2.15, one gets off at 3.45 or whatever the case, it's like yeah. different times. Yeah. Yeah. So I did it and he said, but we had some issues. I'll start when he was in kindergarten, you know, the parking lot, you had to, I had to load the two kids. I had to get them, you know, go to this up to the school while well, he was in the very mm-hmm. back. And they were younger, they were two and under, you know, so I was rushing to get him and I got, and it was like a couple days before school and the teacher was like, said some not okay things. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. And so I pulled him and we left and I called the district and I said, this isn't okay. You need to do something about this. This is not appropriate. They said, what do you want us to do? I said, she said things that were not appropriate. And I'm not just saying it for my son. It could, if it happened to him, it can happen to anybody. I said, he's nonverbal. He can't protect himself for her mm-hmm. saying what she said. That's not okay. And he will not be going back. And they said, okay, well, I thought about homeschooling then my husband, and I talked about it, but I didn't know anybody homeschooled. And mm-hmm. I thought he was going to a new school. So I thought, okay, 
let's just try this, you know, let's, let's just give it a try. So I did, and it, it was good. And I thought, okay, everything's going really well. So, you know, let's just keep them. So he went all the way through school. Well, we got to middle school and in seventh grade, um, his teacher was fabulous. I mean, I had no problems with her. Um, she really advocated for him, helped him out. He was still nonverbal. We had been fighting for years to get him an iPad for communication mm-hmm. because they had him doing the PEC system and he did not like it. He would throw it at them. And I said, what's the point of getting him to do something he doesn't like? We're just making him mad. And so she tried to get it. We were in a meeting and she tried to get it and they were like, he doesn't need it. And I don't know why mom keeps asking. And I'm like, I told him, you know, I spoke how I felt. And she said, you know, that's kind of not okay. He's in seventh grade. We need, he should be talking, you know, at least some, you know, communication device somehow. And so they said no. And so things started go downhill. He's not potty trained um, because he's had the seizures and he's got migraines. We get to a point and he goes back. So he regresses back and it's been that way the whole time what's really hard. I have this feeling as mom that something just wasn't going right. So I marked on his diaper, a mark where they couldn't see it. And um, the same one he was in, he came home in and he was just in a bunch of pain. And I was like, okay. uh -uh." And I called the teacher and she said to me, she goes, what? And she goes, they took him in there. I said, well, they're not doing their job. Your aides aren't doing it. Well, then he started to not want to go. Um, you know, I don't know everything that happened because as mom, I can only go to the school so many times, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I went, but, um, I guess what I could say was, I was putting my heart and my, you know, I was for them. They're the teachers. I figured they they take care of them if that makes sense. And so he didn't want to go. He started having headaches. He would hit his head on the wall. We had more behaviors and I talked to my husband and I said, you know what, that, this isn't working. This, I said, I spend mm-hmm. more time at the school to go get him, give him, his, you know, administer his medications mm-hmm. and take him from school. than I do, then he does at school. So wh- why? And he said, I was wondering when you were going to say you were going to homeschool. He goes, cause you're the best fit for them. So I ended oh. up, yeah. <laughs> That's really nice (laughs) and supportive. Yeah. And so he goes, if you're going to pull one, you should pull all of them because he says, because we were having some other issues. My second one, um, the teacher just, they weren't seeing eye to eye. And then the youngest, he was having behaviors. He's like, mom, I don't like school. And I'm like, wait a minute, you love school. What's going on? Well, they couldn't get a teacher in there in his room. They just kept like, they get a teacher and then they quit and they get a teacher and then they quit. And then these teachers would come in and they change, you know, the whole room around and Ugh. you can't, you know, like you that's can't too much transition it. for a little Yeah. Cat. And he's like, mom, I just hate it. And I'm like, and he cried. Basically I got to a point there, all three were crying and I was like, okay, mom can't do this, you know? So I pulled them out. My best advice for that is before you pull your children out, read your homeschool laws. Mm-hmm. Find a homeschool parent. There's groups. You can Google it. You know, we can find a lot on the computer now. You Google it for your state. You look it up. You need to know the rules because every state is different. Here in Arizona, it is different than Colorado. Colorado is more tough. Arizona, is, I'm not saying they're not, but what I'm saying is they have different rules. So you got to know your rules. I had to go through the process. I found a mom through Facebook and I said, Hey, I know you homeschool. Give me some information. And she said, research your curriculums. And I said, okay, (laughs) I was, she's like, I'll suggest what I'm using. But she said, my kids don't have a disability. You know what I mean? So you, you, you've got to do this. Well, 
when you pull your kids for homeschool, you need to give 14 day uh, notice of intent to the district. You need to let them know. So like out in Colorado, you got to let them know what program you're going to use. And you got to do a minimum of six hours a day and you have to record it and you have to record what you are doing. Now here in Arizona, I mean, I still follow it because I, I've been doing it for so long. You know what I mean? So it's, it's my routine, but you just need to, of course, keep your hours and stuff, but you don't have to let them know the curriculum. You just, you know, you go down the note and give them the notes and tent, but you don't have to give it every year. Colorado, oh you do. Gosh. So Yeah, I had to do that last year. I pulled my son out just to do therapy last year with all the COVID stuff. And it was kindergarten, which isn't required in our state, but I still had to, since he had been in the school system, I had to register as homeschool and I had to like say what we were doing and all that stuff. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> And, it, and it's stressful. You know what I mean? So I did my research for my programs. You could homeschool so many different ways. There's like, I can't even remember. There's so many different ways. So like when you homeschool, you think, oh, I, you know, the traditional, which they do in school. No, you can do it, whatever you want. You're their mom, you know, so you know what's best. And so I did that. And so that's what led me. The one that I'm doing is all in one, easy peasy, all in one. And mm -hmm. this lady She's a stay-at-home mom and she wrote her own curriculum and she wrote it from all the way from preschool all the way to 12th grade, you know? And so I follow it. It's amazing. And yeah. Yeah. I do that. There's like ABC uh, training. If I remember, there's a bunch of them. The thing about it is, is I, I tell parents this is that once you pull your child out, you will lose your IEP. Okay. So if you pull them all the way out and you say, I'm going to do it, I'm a mom, I'm going to teach, I'm going to be the full-time teacher. You're going to lose, you know, you'll lose your IEP because they're not going to be in the school. But what you can do is say you're like, well, I want to keep the IEP. So what you do is you can keep them for two hours a day. You write it in there. And so the teacher can help. They weren't following the IEP as it was. Um, we had goals and we, they kept writing the same goals. And when he started, I said, okay, we've already achieved those. So I do my own goals as mom still do. And so that's what you can, like I said, do. I always tell parents, you are their parent. You know them best better mm -hmm. than the teacher. If you feel you're, you're like, something's not right with my child. I don't feel right. Follow your gut feeling. Because like I said, I didn't, I should have been in kindergarten with them. Um, it's been the best thing I've done. Is it really full? Yeah, it's busy. But within a month, my son, he's still considered nonverbal, but I had been working with them. And I said, say, I love you, mom. And so he doesn't use a device. I've tried to use a device with him. He doesn't want it. He watched my lips. He's a lip reader. He'll watch and he looked, uh, my husband was on a trip uh, in Denver and my mom had stayed and I just got him to bed and he goes, I love you, mom. And I hadn't heard him talk and I oh. started crying. I was like, oh, mom, did you hear? You know, I was so excited. Amazing. Oh. I'm crying. God, me too. You just made a bunch of people drive off the road on their way to therapy. <laughs> Everybody's crying. Oh my goodness. Well, that's such a good lesson for everyone because I think you learn that as you go through this process is your instincts usually are in the right place even if you don't know where they're leading you like if the therapy doesn't feel right if the school doesn't feel right if the therapist doesn't feel right it's okay to say this isn't working for us this isn't working for our family we're not going to keep trying to fit a circle into a square you know but I think in the beginning tabs and I know I can only speak for myself but in kindergarten I 
didn't want to be that mom that spoke yeah. up. I was trying to find yeah. my footing. And so I always say kindergarten is my biggest regret with her that I didn't speak up sooner. I feel like I failed her on many levels for not being her voice when I needed to be. I and carry I, a lot of guilt for that. Yeah. But also the grace that you began that statement with, like, if I could go back, if I knew I hadn't found my voice yet, like you harness a power eventually. I just read Kathy Radigan posted on the special needs nest today about this quote about how she relates hard and easier to tree bark and how the she has tree, that on my page today. <laughs> oh lord have mercy I cried reading it I had to keep going back to it can I just read it to give her this proper credit because it's more beautiful than my <laughs> yes. synopsis will be yes. Please, yes. Jesus hang on a minute oh I might cry skosh I'm really sorry when a small tree is planted, every storm seems to affect it. Its branches can snap and its roots can be pulled from the ground in high winds. As the tree grows, its roots grow deeper, its bark gets thicker, and it's not damaged in every storm. I think of this often when parents of younger children with special needs ask me if life has become easier as my daughter has grown older. It's my experience that like the tree, events around me haven't changed much. My daughter still has significant special needs. Parenting her can still be frustrating and hard, but I've changed. My family has changed and she has changed. We are stronger. Our roots are deeper and our skin is tougher. We aren't as easily uprooted. We know that we can withstand even the roughest storms. I was oh, like, Jesus, me Martha. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm tipping like a tree in Louisiana right now. And that's because I just hear if you're not in the present with us, I just feel like I'm rocked all the time. And when you're not blowing this way, you're blowing that way. And you're going to snap off this way. But to, I mean, it just brings tears to my eyes to be friends with somebody like Kimmy, who's living 25 years of this strength. And, and it's so that's such a great analogy because it's exactly true. There's no difference in the storms, you know, you're just better at it. I, I feel we all have a strength and I think people come into their voice in different ways. I yeah. had a big mouth before autism hit this world. <laughs> I've been advocating for a I did long too, time. but it paralyzed me. So it, it Jen, I was what I, I want to respond to what you said. And the thing is though, it's not an innate thing in you. Like most parents don't have to do this. Yes. You have to do some form of advocating at different parts of your child's life, but not to the level that we have to do it. So it's not something that you would know to do at five years old you don't know yeah. to do it you have people telling you things and you have yeah. administration telling you things and teachers tell I mean I did the same thing for years you different situation but I yeah. was an educator and a manager for small business before and I can say uh if I was to take like a a spreadsheet of all of Celie's idiosyncrasies and strengths and weaknesses that I could hearken a, an employee like to that same facet that challenged me. And so in many ways, I'm like, this is this dink showing up late, like such and such, or this is this like dilly dally that doesn't listen to me like such and such. I've been tested in a way. And I've also had to like break things down in, in terms of educating somebody on a trade, like a skill. And I feel that I, I parts of those parts of my former life have given me confidence to advocate loudly but I mean before we even had a title I was screaming at people she's just busy but you gotta keep your <laughs> eye on her it's not just 
run around like well and even if it different. is like something you're experienced with like I advocate eight hours a day it's something that I do for a profession but when it comes to my kids like I'm learning it's really hard people <laughs> like, you can get a ball in your throat that I'm you don't get when to, it's for a client and to take a pause because yeah. for me it's the opposite it's where I'm like what the hell are you saying to me this is not making sense but I have to give myself time to process like, okay, here's the whole picture. Here's the circumstances. Like, how do we come up with a solution that's going to work for us? Not it's like what if you, you could just rip the emotions out and like put them, <laughs> put them aside. aside, please. But I think also <laughs> in a lot, the people you're dealing with and you're dealing with some great people, but you're also dealing with a lot of people who are tired and they're overdone. But they also, they know they're dealing with a lot of parents who don't know what the crap they're doing and they take advantage of that sometimes. And it's really hard, but I'm so like, Jen, you telling that story, like we started kindergarten this year and going in, I just had so much more confidence because of people like you guys sharing your story, Mm -hmm. like you sharing your story right now, Christy, I have been thinking I'm not jumping into homeschool or anything right now, but like just going into school already, like a couple weeks in. I'm already starting to think about that in the future. I'm like, I don't know if we'll be able to do middle school. I would never consider homeschooling ever (laughs) before. And now like slowly, I'm starting to like think about it. It still makes me really nervous, but I think like this life really does like change who you are. We've thought about that too. I'm not homeschooling. I don't know how <laughs> successful that would be in my house. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not no, I don't have the patience. To be like most TikTok. receptive to my teaching over here. But my patience you'll is be my having problem. Gym. You'll be having gym six hours a day. Swimming. And by gym, we mean swimming uh, in the pool. We're going to go touch some leaves. Uh, we'll count them. We'll try some counting. The Science. Dumping yeah. um, and filling. There you go. Because think of schooling at the homeschool. It's not like, you know, the books, you can count everything. So say you're teaching how to wash dishes. That's home ed. Mm -hmm. Say you go to the store. That's a field trip. But I have thought about the structure of public school for us and for my son. And I really do think like, I don't know if that is the right space for him as an individual to be in. I don't know at this point, but I've, really, because we went through the IEP process, the MET evaluation and that stuff, the whole thing just felt so like heavy. And I don't know if I could be okay with having that much of a step back on what's happening. Like what you were saying, like, you don't know what, like, it's not really an open door to, to the public school process as much as you would want it to be for, especially for our kids who are nonverbal, you know, cause they can't tell you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And my son's verbal, but asking him a direct question is really hard. Like he can't I was going to say, my daughter yeah. can't, if I said what happened today or how was, you know, how was your day? She would say good. Yeah. But if I asked her what happened, she could not articulate that. Yeah. So it's a, a lot different. It, it's really, I'm glad to hear that you're having success with homeschool is what I'm saying, Christy. <laughs> really what we were trying to get at. That's what we were. Hey, yes. you. All your guys' emotions, like everything you guys are saying, that's how I felt. Like how you said, my daughter, my, you know, my child wouldn't be able to tell me if they, they would just say good day. How do I say? So because my, like I said, my oldest is nonverbal. My youngest is he can talk. He would say the same thing or he would just shake his head. You know what I mean? He wouldn't say. So before I homeschooled, I was very involved in the school. 
they didn't like it, but you know, I don't care. That's not their choice. <laughs> you know? you know, yeah. like, what I did was, is I, and you can do this. It is, it's not in the IEPs is I would randomly, and I know this sounds really crazy and people are like, why did you do this? But I randomly show up and just do a visit at the school and I'd sign in and then I go and they wouldn't see me. And I'd stand outside that door and to see really what was going on. Cause I had a communication notebook too. I was like, I want it rid. I want you guys writing every day. And I would ask questions before my, my kiddo was diagnosed with autism. My oldest, I guess I would say, this is how I feel, but I became, my mouth is pretty, I, I, I will tell you now, like, I will tell you, I will like, <laughs> we don't question is, that. Yeah, my, yeah. my husband will come on, let's go Christy. And I'm like, but no, 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 no. They need to hear this and this. Cause I'm not done. And he would be like, okay, they've heard it. You've, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I need to make it clear, you know? So I would watch outside the classrooms and tell you there was a time that, and also a time that my son was, and this just, this hurts my, to say it, but so for a while there, the teacher he had was calling me all the time. He has a headache or whatever. Cause I wouldn't let them give him his medications. I was like, you call me. And they didn't like that. They were like, but we can do it. I said, no, cause you're not going to give him the medication just because I was like, what if he doesn't really have a migraine? What if, you know, let me know I am mom. And they were like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And we've never had a mom do that. I said, well, there's a first for everything and I'm the first. So there you go. <laughs> Welcome to the Christy Johnson show. <laughs> right. And that's yes. what it was. I walked in and my son was isolated where, you know, how they break up those, those bedrooms. He was in an area by himself. And I said, why is he over there? Oh, he, um, wasn't listening or listening. I said, what do you mean not listening? Like, I was like, he listens at home. What are you talking about? He was crying. He cried so much. They told me he had only been crying for like 15 minutes. He had been crying for over an hour because I could tell because he was to the point that he was crying. You know, when you've cried, cried so much and hard that you are almost to the point to throw up, you know, you're like, you know, that gagging. And I grabbed him and I said, we're gone. I, like one of you, I can't remember which one, but you said, you know, by the gut, you know, the kindergarten, my instincts and live with regret. I do. I mean, and I say this, I wish I would have gone back to kindergarten. I would have followed my gut instinct with what that teacher did because my oldest went through so much. And so did my youngest, but for some reason, they really pinpointed my oldest because he was nonverbal. And I wish that I would have taken him out because I feel like I feel bad. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, I think of it every day and I'm like, if I could change it, but you know, you live and you learn, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I tell people, you might not think you can homeschool, but if you feel it inside you do it. So yeah. when I did pull him out, when I did pull him and I know this sounds sad to say, um, I did my notice of intent. I followed through with what they said. Now, I don't know what the office did if they didn't follow through what they were supposed to, but I did it. I had my copy. Why did truancy offer show up? And he said, you never, uh, you need to get your kids back in school. And I said, what are you talking about? I followed through with everything you said. And I, I said, he goes, do you have proof? I said, oh, I have proof. And now here's my copies. He said, well, okay, well then they, he came back like a week later, banging on my door ridiculous situation it was embarrassing the most and I don't get embarrassed easily um he was like screaming and yelling you need to you know why aren't your kids in school I mean echoing at eight o'clock in the morning off my all the neighbors houses and I said you work for the school district like let's calm down a second let's Ugh. talk like a civilized adult around here you know and he's like you're not following with what you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, you're, you need to get your kids by the end of the day. He goes, or I'm going to get you for child neglect. And I said, how are you going to get me for child neglect? I said, I didn't do anything. He goes, do you have proof you've been working with your kids? Yes. What else do you need? So I 
was scared, you know, like I said, so I did go back to register, but then I called my mom. So she helped get a hold administrator. We got a hold and they were like, no, everything's fine. He ended up having to call me the next day. They, they forced him and he apologized and stuff. And I don't know if he's still working, but I tell parents because not just as you homeschool, that's why I said, you need to know everything for your state, but there's a, like, it's kind of like an insurance um, that you can get to protect and their lawyers is what they are. And that's all they focus on. So say they came at you and they said, like what happened to me, they would, okay, let's go. And usually it doesn't go in the courtroom because once the lawyer writes that letter, you know, and contacts them, they surely aren't going to want to go in the courtroom. So they will fight for you. They help you. Like what I, is that called, Christy? Do you know? I'll look it up. I'm sorry. I should have had it right now, but it's okay. We can put it in the note descriptions. Don't worry okay, <laughs> for anyone. But it's worth and it. is it part of the homeschooling like system? Like something to do no, with homeschooling? Yeah, yeah, they protect with the homeschooling, but it's a different, it's a separate, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. The internet describes this nationally as a homeschool protection agency. Oh, I think, but it's so important. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I didn't know they came at me and knocking on my door. My kids were scared. Mom, I don't want to go back. And I, you know, they were crying and I was like, what did I do now? Like, you know, at first I was like, what did I do? Maybe I should have done this, but no. And you need to keep your paperwork. That's another thing. So my oldest graduated last year. You can do your own diploma, if that makes sense. You, you know, you do your own graduation, but I still have to keep his paperwork. I have to keep his graduation, even a schoolwork that we did, like, you know, all that stuff, because randomly they like to come and say, hey, you know, four years later, if they come at you and say, you know, whatever, did you homeschool? What were you doing? Which is not usually to happen, but, you know, it's kind of like with the doctor's papers, you know, you got to keep all that. stuff. Yeah. So it's like mm -hmm. your own little personal file and stuff. Want to keep everything. You want to ask for copies, everything. You want them to stamp it. I mean, you just want to make sure. I know that's, I, and I don't say this to scare people. I say this to give them the knowledge so that they know. You know what I mean? Better yeah. safe than sorry. Yep. Always keep those copies. Christy, one of the things that you um, you said, and I can't remember if this was in our chat or where, but you were mentioning, I think I said, well, we've struggled in Minnesota because my daughter has hit lots of wait lists and like sort of that will age out of things if we get through wait list style. Mm -hmm. And it's been so goddamn frustrating. So I joked with you and said, well, I had better start guardianship when she's eight so that I can get it by the time she's 18 joking <laughs> and you said you need to look into adult services now if that will help to guide you on what you need to be doing in the here and now because there is or isn't that same support in adult services right so like in our chat when I told you remember I said all the groups you do for your child you know what I mean there was a wait list. Well, as they go into adulthood, once again, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody, you know, here, I just was jumping on and just going because, Hey, why not? You know, let's just go. And so I asked around, I still had at that time lived in Colorado. They didn't know nothing. Like I said, I live in a smaller town. I mean, I know like different States are different, you know, as what I, what I know. And so they said, well, I don't know. So my husband, he's a nurse and he worked at this place uh, with brain injury and he asked around and they said, you know, there's like the DD waiver and just a bunch of different things. And they were like, you know, you just apply at 18. No, 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 no. So they made it sound like, you know, you apply and then you get it. You know what I mean? That's what we think. No, there's a wait list and probably the wait list now are even 
longer because you know because of the pandemic and everything I can't even imagine they're probably really long um, and so don't wait till they're like 18 you want to start looking get to know the programs because some programs could be four to five years I say I think I told you like 12 years old I even at eight I you know kind of get an idea of what you need to fill out because there's a lot of paperwork always (laughs) always go into adulthood it is so much more and it is very emotional because as mom we feel they're still the baby even though they're adults we feel like what do you mean like they could go live and do you know go and do it on their own you know which they can't but you know what I mean like because that's how society is that's how they you know they train them as adults which is great. Don't get me wrong, but to us and to them where they're at their children still, you know what I mean? They don't know. They don't know all that stuff. So you want to go and look up that, you know, go look up those groups, start asking around. You know what I mean? Like I said, I just start out, Hey, do you know about this? I ask doctors. I ask, I, I make a conversation and I ask, like I said, I I'm like, Hey, in the grocery store, you know, I, <laughs> hey, I, hey. I just can picture like a, Hey, what yeah. would Christy Johnson ask? Sure. <laughs> what can you do for me while you're reaching for that milk right because you know if you see a mom another mom you know what I mean you kind of know with the autism you're like hey you know you do you know anything and that's what I had to do here when I moved to Arizona because I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. anybody you know we did a job transfer we jumped I jumped on you know he got everything moved within a month we were like now what (laughs) all over again yeah and so like for guardianship, do not wait till they're 17. Start that early, get the paperwork. Because like I said, there's, you need to get all this information. You got to get the records, which we all know the records are a lot. You know, they come in and they like to sit down and interview. Um, I don't know if they're doing it now. They were, like I said, when I did guardianship for him, they came in and he's like, I need to see where you live. I need to ask you questions. We might need Ooh. to interview him. I said, you know, he doesn't talk. And she's like, that's okay. I just need to see his presence. And so she came and did that. And then, so then we had to get the stuff for the court paper. And then what'd she do? And then I had to pay for that. It's expensive too, by the way, it's not cheap to do the guardianship and all that. I will be honest with you. It's not like horribly expensive, but when that lady comes in to rep- it's basically a representative, just she's going to come and represent your son your, your daughter or your son. And she came in and she interviewed him and she was like, you know, looked at him and then interviewed us and asked us questions. Why do you want to be the guardianship? What, you know, what, what will you do for appointment? Just the basic questions, you know what I mean? Came and asked all that stuff. Then I had to, you know, of course pay for that. And then we went to guardianship court and he went in, he has, they have to be present, went in, dad and I, you know, the judge asked, basically you want to take guardianship? Yes. Every year you have to um do, so every do a report guardianship yes. report. Yep. 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 Thank you. I my brain. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so you have you have to file a, a report to the court saying what's yeah. been happening. Did they go to the doctor this year? Did they Yeah, and um, so you you want to keep the records on that. You know what I mean because as parents we forget. But I'm not joking like when I had told Rachel I was like you need to start early because of the programs because they are getting filled up basically they're getting filled up and there's a wait list and there's not enough funding I don't know if it's funny or enough programs place yeah place yeah, for yeah. Them. you know what I mean so you, you're on the wait list and does your son still live with you yes okay I will say too and so in Colorado I found out this is we went to a day camp through Adams camp I don't know if you had heard of Adams camp but they had like speakers there and that's how I learned all this and so we got on a waiver this year that took us a long time, not only because the wait list, which wasn't too bad, but because COVID and everything happened during it, but they advised me, they said, get on these waivers now when they're 
a child because it's so much easier to get them to go to the next waiver as an adult. But it's like, I would have never known that. Like if I had not Mm -hmm. happened to go to that camp that I wasn't sure I was going to, like some random lady told me this and I was like, oh, I guess I have to start thinking about adulthood now. Like it's crazy. And those waivers are so confusing. Like here we, it's like a whole different thing that they do here. Um, Yeah. Every state is different. Yeah. 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 Because mm-hmm. I didn't have to do any of that. We didn't have to have an interview. We didn't have to have someone to come to our house. She didn't have to be present when we got guardianship. Actually, Neil didn't even have to go to the court. They just granted him guardianship through the mail. We had yeah. to go to the court. So we had to go to the court to file the paper, like to file the paper that you want to do the guardianship. And then you had to like fill out all these papers and then send them back, get them signed, send them back. And she had to be seen by a um, psychologist and by a social worker. And by her pediatrician all within like a, it took us two times. No, it took us three times. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it only cost us $15, $15 because what we did was we didn't do the last step. We didn't do the last step and you had to do it within a certain amount of time. So then we had to like sat all over again. Cause you know, we're hot mess express over here. But, um, <laughs> but she was able to sign a paper giving us permission to be like her guy her guardian or make her decisions and even though she didn't know what she was signing but she can write her name so um that like covered us until we got to the court they filled out a thing saying it would just be like stressful for her to be present so they waived that she didn't have to go to the court or anything <laughs> i'll um, be like it's stressful for you if she comes so whatever <laughs> yeah. and like we didn't know so he was, sometimes you do have to go to the court like to talk to the judge but they just i think also depends on like their scores and their what the reports say specific um psychological testing which she had done through school already so we already had that and um they do it every three years and then um she you know with her diagnosis and the id diagnosis and stuff like that i think they just like it's it's not like sometimes you have somebody who like could like contest it and could be like no i can make my decisions obviously she's nonverbal, so there's no like you know what i mean although she can say no 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 no, 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 no. Uh, yeah so it's different everywhere so yeah that's what I said every state's different that's what it was in Colorado like I said you know for the like they said this you said the scores and stuff here in Arizona so this is a, another thing if you move to another state you know so before you move I had to go before I moved here I had to go down I fill a piece of paper I let them know we were going to be moving and have the judge approve it because you can't you know you got to get the approval before you can take them out of state you gotta let them oh. know yeah you're supposed to do that and I only know this because like I said the town I lived in they really the courts really made sure to know that so I did that the judge approved it you know then he gave me like a certain amount of time to get paperwork over here in Arizona I had to fill that out because we did it during COVID um we didn't have to go to the courthouse thank goodness because that would have worked um the first time was hard like I said, it was my husband, myself and my mom. So my mom came and helped me. And then they, we just did like a phone hearing, you know, and that's what they yeah. just granted us. Telephonic. Like said, yeah. Yeah. And we did all that. So that's another thing with guardianship. And I didn't say this. So like, so did you have to refile when you get to the yeah. new state? Yeah. You have to refile. Oh. And generally just FYI, this is not legal advice, but you can request 
if the person can't come to the court, you can file a motion requesting for them to either be on the phone or not present. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what they did. And once again, here in Arizona, I had somebody call me. It was the same thing they called and we were supposed to go like basically do a drive up. They'd say, hi, this is Brandon's look at Brandon, you know, and then drive off. But then they changed it and said, you know what? It's the guy, they changed the person. And they said, we're just going to, that was going to represent him. And so then they just came to the house. Hi you know, saw Brandon left, you know, just basically to see it's Brandon, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's what they did. And then you just do your file. uh, Like I said, your, your file. I, like I said, I just, I wish I would have known what I know now. Does that make sense? So like when my child was younger, I wish I would have, when my, they were younger, I would have been preparing for adulthood. I didn't think of preparing for adulthood. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I didn't think that my child was six years old. I didn't think of that, but you do need to think about that stuff. You need to, you know, you need to think about what we don't want to think about what, when we're not here, you know, you've got to think of that stuff, you know? So like, say like if your child gets money, uh, social security, you want to make sure to have an account in their name. I did, like I said, I've learned all this because, you know, somebody's spoken up for me and said, Hey, you know, you want to make sure the account is in their name but it's in your name, you know, you're responsible, you know what I mean? So that, and then it's like, say my second son or whatever, my mom, you know what I mean? You want to prepare that stuff. Trust me. I didn't like to think of it, but you have to, you have to think of that stuff. You got to prepare something that we're going to be working on when I should have done. And I haven't because I kind of been stalling this one out, but I need to just do it and get it going is we need to write down, we need to do a will and then write who I want my children to go to. Some states, the child can go to the closest family member if something was to happen to you. Some states, they go straight to the foster care system. So it just depends, you know, and I tell parents this, and I don't say this to scare anybody. I say this because this is the knowledge we need to know. Our Yes, our child has autism, but we got to think of their future. You know, we've got to, because if we don't, then what? You know what I mean? You don't want to be it's like, still oh, gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen, you know? And another thing, when I go to write that the will, I got to write which is hard. I get this, but every day, what Brandon's routine, what do I do with his routine? Letter of intent. So there's like a couple documents that you should have. You should have a living will, a special needs trust, especially if there's requirements where your child can't have money in their own name. Like in Arizona, your child can't have more than $2,000 in their own name in order to qualify for services. So, Mm -hmm. and then the third thing is a letter of intent, which is basically just a thing that you update every single year like Nixon has to go to bed with his dinosaur his favorite foods are this Nora only eats these certain foods if you try and give yeah. her anything green she's not going to eat it you know mm-hmm. like this is their comfort they go, item they go to the yes their dentist <laughs> their doctor their OT yeah. person the yeah. speech this is their schedule basically so if anything were to happen to you someone could come in and their whole so then they pick up the five inch three ring binder and they start at page one and they get to know Seely. yes yes and so it's like not a legal document but it's mainly just like whoever you're asking to care for your children to help them out when you're gone and then you can put it in writing who you want even though it's not legal but like you can still like we have as i don't have a will or anything but i have it written like in that thing yeah do you have one going to each auntie well i'll just tell you guys it's on my laptop it's not in the binder so if anything happens to me <laughs> okay we know where it is we know where to it. It. they gotta go to the google drive and it's there okay, okay. google drive <laughs> got it yeah well these are great um amazing tips 
I mean, we, I'm managing, I was just thinking about kindergarten. I can't imagine thinking about adult services <laughs> right now. You know, that's, that's um, the point though. Yeah. That's the point. Yes. I to have to more. just say, cause I've been this person, I've been on the receiving end of this benefit and, and I have found some people that were on the other side of this coin, but you really have to know if you're listening to this and you're nodding or you're crying in a ditch because Christy got you with those moments earlier, but we, there are people in this community, meaning at large that know about your community outside your door. And for some reason, and, and it's like really hard for me to understand people don't share how to get help in an open way. People are not, you know, if I met a mom next door whose kid was autistic I would be talking to them about this lady at the county and not that person at the county and this mm-hmm. hospital, not that hospital. And you bet your ass I would be telling all of the things locally. But for some reason, people become super tight-lipped as though if your Anthony knows about it, then my Seely won't get it. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it's so disabling to our community to not share yeah. how we learned that or what the loophole is. No I mean, there, there aren't loopholes right now. I was just going to say that, Kimmy, that, you know, a lot of times there are just places to call for more wait lists or whatever, because we're an underserved community, but there are people out here to help you. If you're struggling to find some of those holler at your girls, because We'll find somebody for you. And I just think parents are the best resource, Mm -hmm. period. Everything that I've learned about, anything that I need to know in regards to applications to fill out, what to do with the school, the nuance that you can fill out a DDD application plus an all-text application, just a little FYI here in Arizona, you can submit those at the same time, which Mm -hmm. I did for both of my children. Just little things like that, that you wouldn't find anywhere else unless you're talking to someone who's actually been through the process before Mm -hmm. resources that and keep asking at the grocery store Christy Johnson style because (laughs) you're going to learn some stuff yes Christy you're amazing appreciate you yes thank you so much for joining us thank you good night yes thank you thank you for joining us at the table for this interview with Christy if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate if you can rate and review us. You can also leave a review on our Facebook page. To join in on the conversation, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email us at table45podcasts at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. Next week, join us for an interview with FASD parent advocate Natalie Vecchione as we talk all about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And of course, there'll be a seat for you at the table. So we'll see you then. Bye.